Well, the 2022 NBA draft is less than one week away, and two Zags, Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhardt, are expected to learn where they are going to start their professional careers. Today, we go through some of the industry's final mock drafts to get a sense of where these two could end up and what that would mean for their potential development, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Visit rockauto.com now and tell them Locked On sent you. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day as we approach the middle of the summer and the off-season. We are over 750 subscribers on the YouTube channel, trying to get to 1,000, very, very close to getting to that goal. So if you are a listener to the show and you have not done so, just go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags, find that subscribe button. Would really, really appreciate it. All right, segment one, we are going to look at industry mock drafts here in mid-June as we get closer and closer to the end of the month and the NBA draft. Uh, For the first segment, we're just going to look at where these mock drafts had Chet Holmgren. We're going to talk about the kind of industry updates on Chet. Uh, He's not going any lower than third, which is kind of the expectation for him at this point, is that he's going to be one of the first three players selected as a very, very good chance of becoming the highest selected Gonzaga basketball player of all time, breaking or at least tying Adam Morrison's record as he went third overall back in 2006. We'll start with the mock draft from Brian Kalbroski at For the Win, which is a USA Today blog site. This mock draft was written on June 9th. want to try to keep that in mind as we look at these mock drafts. Some of them are much more recent than others. Uh, Kalbroski has has Chet going number one. He has him going number one to the Orlando Magic. Uh, he is, unfortunately, the only one of these mocks that actually has Chet at number one. Uh, he says in his write-up that he does not believe that Orlando is a lock to go with Jabari Smith, although that has been kind of the sentiment that we have seen out in the mock draft space leading up to the draft is that Orlando is expected to go with Jabari Smith out of Auburn. They want his outside shooting, his potential shot creation abilities. Uh, He's a lockdown defensive player, understandable on all accounts. But as Kalbroski says in his write-up, he thinks Chet is the perfect fit for Orlando there. Not necessarily trying to turn things around super quickly so they can give him some opportunities to develop. Uh, The kind of prospect that he is is something that Orlando has succeeded in developing in the past with Jonathan Isaac, with Mo Bamba to an extent as well. Uh, obviously a good partner with Jalen Suggs in terms of Suggs' ability to create off the dribble, be a creative passer, all of those things. There are some rumblings that Chet maybe does not want to go to Orlando, and that factored into the decisions made by our next mock draft writer, that is Kevin O'Connor at The Ringer. This mock draft was written on the 13th of June, so less than a week ago. O'Connor has Chet going number two to the Oklahoma City Thunder. That is kind of the majority consensus that I believe is out there as somebody who reads a lot of mock drafts and big boards in my free time. Most of the places that we're seeing have Chet going number two behind Jabari Smith from Auburn. 
O'Connor writes more or less the same thing. He says, Chet would obviously fill a tremendous need for Oklahoma City in rim protection. They were a bad defensive team last year. They were also a very bad outside shooting team last year. Two skills that Chet Holmgren has in droves. Uh, he also would be good as an off-ball player. I think that's one of the, the skills that Chet has that's going to really help him uh, acclimate to the NBA quickly is that he doesn't need the ball to score a bunch. He can he can score off of catch and shoot. He can score on lobs in the paint. Uh, when he has creative guards around him, it's going to be easy for him to score without having a high usage rate. Josh Giddy, Shai Gilgis, Alexander, both with Oklahoma City, are very, very good at this. So I think it makes a lot of sense for him to go here. Allegedly, this is his preferred destination. There was a report, I believe, by Ryan Rossillo at ESPN that said that Chet, out of, there's comments out of Chet's camp that said that he would prefer to go to Oklahoma City. You got to take pretty much everything you hear in the news around the draft at this time with a little bit of a grain of salt as scouts and front office people and agents are trying to kind of drum up whatever level of, of media they can to, to hopefully add to their players' stock in, in some cases. So not necessarily something to take super seriously, but it is interesting to see that that kind of preference potentially for Chet, as well as the preference by Orlando to potentially go with Jabari Smith, could really land Chet here in Oklahoma City. Kyle Boone at CBS Sports, he wrote his mock draft on the 16th, so just two days or yesterday, depending on when you were listening to this podcast. Uh, he also had Chet going number two to Oklahoma City. He said that he believes Chet has the most star power in this draft, that he is a cornerstone defensive anchor for this program. Uh, Oklahoma City is not going to take him uh, without the intention of really having him be a piece that they build around. Uh, again, they already have the kind of creators and guards that I think fit well with what Chet Holmgren's skill set currently is. So they could just develop him to kind of focus on the skills he's already very good at and put him in a position to succeed right away, which would be fantastic. We would love to see some of our Zags succeed as soon as they get into the NBA. Final mock draft for this segment, the lowest that we're going to find Chet Holmgren on pretty much any mock draft out there, at least anyone to be taken particularly seriously. This is from Jeremy Wu at Sports Illustrated. This was written back on the 6th, so it is a little bit older. This one has Chet going number three to the Houston Rockets. He had Jabari Smith going number one to Orlando, which again is kind of the industry consensus. In this situation, he had Duke's Palo Bancaro jump up to number two. He mentioned in the Oklahoma City write-up that they're going to take a look at both these guys, that obviously both of them could make some sense. Uh, for me personally, Oklahoma City's biggest weakness last year was on the defensive end of the floor. So taking Bancaro, who's a great offensive player and I think reasonably in play at number one overall for Orlando, I don't see the fit as clearly in Oklahoma City. It just doesn't make as much sense. He's a bad defensive player. He's not a great three-point shooter. Those are the two skills that not only Chet Holmgren possesses, but those are the two skills that Oklahoma City lacks the most. So it seems like Orlando could make sense for Bancaro. I could totally get behind that, and I could understand why Oklahoma City would then go with Jabari Smith. That makes some sense to me. Jabari Smith, not a bad fit uh, in Oklahoma City, but I don't think Bancaro is a good fit there. So to me, this makes not a ton of sense. Uh, number three would be a bit disappointing for Chet in the sense that he wouldn't break Gonzaga's record for the highest selected player in the NBA draft. But the fit in Houston, I think, is fantastic. He fits well with the guards over there. Him and Jalen Green would really kind of help potentially jumpstart a dynasty in Houston there. 
depending if they can continue to get successful results out of Kevin Porter Jr., depending what happens with Alperin Sengun. But if those two guys, he's more of a Drew Timmy-esque post player. If him and Chet can get along together well and kind of operate smoothly, and then if the guards can develop in Houston, you could really see the potential for it for a dynasty there. So Chet would be a great fit in Houston. I think that's a fun fit. It's just a bit of a bummer if he were to fall down to the third overall pick in the draft. All right, we're going to come back. In the second segment, we're going to look at these same mock drafts and we're going to determine what it could mean for point guard Andrew Nembhard. He's a little bit more all over the place on the mock drafts right now. That's kind of what happens as you get further and further into the draft. You see opinions waver a little bit more. Before we talk about Nembhard, though, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball season may be over, and the NBA Finals have just completed. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors there. But the MLB still rages on, WNBA still rages on, and many more sports continue on into the summer. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two. Still any patents, still locked on Zags, and we're still working our way through some of the industry's best mock drafts ahead of the 2022 NBA draft scheduled to take place on Thursday, June 23rd. Very exciting time for the Zags. It looked like there was the potential for as many as five players to be in the NBA draft conversations out of Gonzaga, of course. That very epic day earlier in the month when Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, and Drew Timmy all decided to return to Spokane within a 48-hour period. That meant that only Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhard are remaining in the NBA draft. Both of them are expected at this point to get selected. We talked about Chet Holmgren in segment number one. We're switching over to talk about Andrew Nembhard in segment number two, a guy who a lot of mock drafts didn't have on at all. He was in the 70s and 80s on a lot of big boards, so kind of outside of the draft conversation. Then he came to the NBA draft combine and proceeded to play really, really well. His measurements were good. They were not elite, but they were good. But his performance on the court was fantastic. It gave a lot of people opportunities to look at him again and take some take into consideration the skills that he could bring into the NBA. First mock draft we're going to talk about here is again from Brian Kalbrowski at For the Win Through USA Today, again written on June 9th. He has Andrew Nemhard going 29th just sneaking inside the first round and going to the Memphis Grizzlies, a team that Gonzaga fans are more familiar with than many other teams in the NBA because, of course, they employ Brandon Clark for the last couple of years and have employed Killian Tilly on a two-way contract that recently turned into a full NBA contract for the former Gonzaga player. Kalbrowski mentions in his article that Nemhard was one of the best players at the Combine and that he himself compared himself to Memphis point guard Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is an incoming free agent, 
And if Memphis is thinking about potentially replacing Jones, they have the 29th pick. Andrew Nembhard is on the board. If they believe in this comparison, if they believe Andrew Nembhard and believe that he does possess the skills to be a Tyus Jones type player, it makes a ton of sense to take him at 29 overall, plug him on the roster, let Tyus Jones find another opportunity somewhere else, and kind of just proceed forward without having to do anything else at that position. Nembhard is ready right now to be a third string point guard in the NBA, and he's ready right now to play backup point guard minutes if they absolutely needed him to. The outside shooting was the big question mark. He really answered that shooting about 38% last year for the Zags. If they if teams believe that can hold, that he can really be a reliable knockdown outside shooter, as well as a good pick and roll player, as well as an adequate defensive guard, he's going to get some looks in that range because he, his age, he's ready to compete right now. When you're picking at 29-30 and you're looking at trying to win a championship that next season, you don't want to take Patrick Baldwin or Peyton Watson or some of those other really young project guys who are expected to be available around then. You want to take a guy who's going to help you right now. And Andrew Nemhart is that guy. He's going to do it right away. It's kind of the same situation for Jeremy Wu, who also wrote his mock draft at Sports Illustrated back on the 6th. Uh, he he had Andrew Nemhart going 33rd, so just a little bit later, to the Toronto Raptors. Now, Toronto... Not quite in the same situation as Memphis, certainly not as ready to to realistically compete for a title. But I think Toronto is a team that makes some sense, too, as like they may not be looking for this really long, drawn out rebuild where, again, they may use this draft spent draft spot on a European prospect or one of the very young, you know, one and done players who didn't perform all that well. Watson, for example, or, or Patrick Baldwin, they may look to add somebody who's going to help them right away. And if, if Andrew Nembhard's there at 33, if he sneaks through the first round, it makes a ton of sense for Toronto to say, hey, let's let's bring up the point guard. He's can, you know, he can give us minutes right away. He's going to help shore up a depth issue that this team has. And he's going to help us compete for a, play, a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference right away. Like we don't want to, to draft somebody who we got to wait two or three years for them to really kind of show up and start contributing. We want to draft somebody who's going to help us now. And Nemhard, again, if he's going to be available at that spot, he's probably as good of a player that you're going to find right there who can help you right away. He may not have the highest potential of any guys that are sitting there. You kind of know what you're getting out of Andrew Nemhard, but three, four, five really good seasons as a backup point guard. If you can get that at 33 overall, that's fantastic, especially if it fits a need on your roster and you're trying to turn things around. There's also the fun bonus that Andrew Nemhard is Canadian, and I don't know that that's necessarily a huge factor for why Toronto would take him, but it's nice if you're looking at a couple of other factors there. Nice to bring him home to, to Canada. Nice to get another Canadian on the roster. The, the Canadian basketball pipeline has been very strong lately. Toronto does employ some of those players. Chris Boucher from out of the University of Oregon is a Canadian prospect who plays for the Toronto Raptors. So he was also, a, I believe, a late second round pick. So maybe there's some magic there that they can kind of hopefully conjure up with Andrew Nembhard uh, as a potential second round pick. And then the third and final one we're going to talk about here in this segment is from Kyle Boone at CBS, again on the 16th. Uh, he has Andrew Nembhard going 51st to Golden State. Again, pretty big disparity where you got one person uh, who has him going 29th, one person who has him going over 20 spots later in the draft at 51. This would be to Golden State, so that would really help solidify a recent Mailbag Monday question that I answered discussing whether which which Zag in the NBA is going to be the next to win an NBA championship. Well, if Nembhard goes 51 to Golden State, you got to feel pretty good about his chances there because they're the defending national champions. They're going to, to, to run it back and attempt to do this yet another time with the big three of Draymond Green and Klay Thompson and, of course, Steph Curry. I 
Neymar would just be depth for them. He would be depth that is ready to contribute right away. You know, at 51 overall, if Nemhard was still there, which according to our other mock drafts, he's going to be long gone, but certainly it's possible that he's still on the board in the late second round. We've seen Gonzaga players mysteriously fall. We saw Joel Eiai fall out of the draft entirely not that long ago, so it could happen. And if Nemhard's available at 51 and Golden State's just looking to add bodies who can contribute right away, this is a situation where Nemhard might end up more on a two-way contract where if he gets drafted 29th or 33rd, he's more likely to actually stick on the roster for the full season. But if you got Andrew Nemhard on a two-way contract, especially with their guard room being a little bit older, certainly Clay Thompson's had some injury issues. Steph Curry's had some injury issues. Uh, having a guy like Nemhard who could come in, give you good minutes off the bench right away, could convert his two-way into a regular contract if you had some injury issues, get him a chance to play and contribute just right out of the shoots. I think that'd be fantastic. I think this is a really nice fit. Uh, it'd be a bit of a bummer to see him fall that far in the draft, but I know there's a large contingency of Gonzaga fans who are also Golden State Warriors fans, so I'm sure they would be pumped. Uh, and certainly for Nembhard, a chance to immediately play with Steph Curry, one of the greatest of all time, and to compete for a national or for an NBA championship right away. Pretty darn cool opportunity there. The last one that we did for the first segment with Chet Holmgren was about or was through the Ringer. The Ringer did not have Andrew Nembhard ranked on their big board or on their mock drafts. So again, the disparity for some of these organizations is pretty strong to not even have Nembhard ranked when other places have him as a potential first round pick. Uh, it's kind of part of the fun with the mock draft industry is just the the people can watch the same players and uh, come to very very different evaluations and. NBA teams do that too. You'll see a team pick a guy that most other teams probably didn't have that high. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's just kind of how how the nature of the game works. I expect Andrew Nembhard's safe set of skills and obviously performance on a high stage for multiple years at Florida and Gonzaga will probably give an opportunity to get selected at some point during the draft. But again, based on team needs and kind of where he ends up falling is kind of anyone's guess at this point. All right, folks, we're going to come back in the third and final segment of the show. We're going to listen to a recorded conversation with KREM's Brenna Green and CBS college basketball analyst Gary Parrish. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, segment three. Still, Andy Patton's still locked on Zags. Here we're going to hear from Gary Parrish. Gary is a CBS college basketball analyst, one of the best and brightest in the business. He sat down with Brenna Green at KREM for a conversation talking about 
his projected starting lineup for the Zags, his thoughts on Efton Reed, his thoughts on NIL and why it's good for college basketball, but also in kind of a rough spot for college basketball right now. He also talks about why Gonzaga still gets hated on by college basketball fans around the country. Check out this great conversation here. If you had to pick a starting five right now, who would you pick? Well, some of it's easy, right? Um, Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Richard Bolton, they're all in there. And then you got to figure out what to do with the other spots. And there's a lot of different ways to do it. I mean, you could play small and, and, and get, you know, Malachi Smith and, you know, Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman in there, you know, in some form uh, you could play bigger with Anton Watson at the four. And then you're picking probably between uh, Nolan Hickman and, and Malachi Smith at the one so they'll have some options. One of the things Mark Few has told me in the past when I would ask him, so how do you envision using this guy or, you know, with this lineup? And he said, there are some coaches, and I, I appreciated the humility here. Um, he said, there are some coaches who on paper, they can just, they can figure it out, just look at it and go, well, here's what we're going to do. This, 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 and this. He said, I'm somebody who kind of needs to see it. I need to see it on the court. I think we were talking about Chet Holmgren. Like, how do you envision using Chet Holmgren? He's like, I got some ideas, but I need to see it on the court. And then I'll, I'll know what we need to do. So I, I think, and I haven't talked to him about this roster specifically, but I think he would, you know, I need to see it. You know, is, can Malachi Smith really be your primary ball handler? Or do you need that to be somebody else? Or do you need it to be two somebody's? Like, how does that work exactly? Um, but regardless of how they start or how they finish, Maybe this is the best way to describe it. I think they've got more really good college players than anybody else. Maybe not more NBA prospects than anybody else. Maybe not, um, you know, two of the top 10 players in the country. But I think they've got the more very good college basketball players than anybody else. And um, there's just a track record of excellence with that program that assuming they're going to be anything other than awesome again is you're really not paying attention to history or the roster that's in place. Another person they've got to factor in is Efton Reed. Right. All of this. Another, high, another high level recruit um, who, you know, wasn't awesome, you know, in, in his first year of college, but the talent's there. And, you know, there's a long history of uh, guys who were interesting recruits. They go to a place, they're just whatever players, and then they, transfer and then boom it's like oh wow this is this has turned into something really nice tar eason is is an example of that uh, over the past year so yes like you know that's the thing we're talking about starting lineups and different uh you know combinations and efton reed's name doesn't initially come up but if we look up in january and he's a key piece of the team that's ranked number one in the country that that wouldn't be shocking to me how good is this for college basketball I think name and likeness rights has complicated college basketball the same way the one-time transfer waiver has complicated college basketball. It has made it chaotic in some ways and frustrating for college coaches and fans. But I've always believed that these things are fundamentally fair. They're opportunities players should have, student athletes should have. And so I'm thrilled that they're now um, getting those opportunities. And I would argue that it's actually good for the sport because without name and likeness rights, I don't know that Drew Timmy's back in school. 
I don't know that Armando Baycott is back at North Carolina. I don't know that Trace Jackson Davis is back at Indiana. I don't know that Hunter Dickinson is back at, at Michigan. Like one of the big problems for college basketball, at least in my adult life, and it wasn't so much when I was a child, because you get like Patrick Ewing in school forever. If Patrick Ewing played five years ago, he would be a one and done star out of Georgetown, but he played four years at Georgetown. And so when I'm being introduced as a child to college basketball, it's like Patrick Ewing was a thing. You know, and we just haven't had that in recent years because, you know, uh, Marvin Bagley's a thing and then he's gone. DeAndre Ayton's a thing and then he's gone. Kevin Durant's a thing and then he's gone. You know, so often people don't even really lock into college basketball until football season's over. So then you turn it on and there's like these awesome college basketball players and you watch them for six weeks and then they're off to the NBA. Well, Name Image and Likeness Rights has, has proven to be a magnet back to college, not to get a projected top 10 pick to turn down the NBA draft, but a guy like Drew Timmy is perfect. Could Drew have been picked 54th or 47th or even 39th? Maybe. And could he have been on an NBA roster? Perhaps. Uh, I don't think exclusively, but perhaps. Um, and that would have been enough to get him to go once upon a time because he would have argued I've done outside of win a championship, everything I can do at the collegiate level. The truth is there's nothing I'm going to be able to do with another season of college basketball to convince evaluators at the NBA level that I can play in their league. So what I'm going to have to do is just go play my way into their league. If they want to shove me in the G league, then I'll go be the MVP of the G league and then I'll get called up and then I'll show them I can play, but there's nothing I'm going to be able to do at Gonzaga that shows these people I can play in the NBA. I've done everything I can do. So he'd just get on with it. Now, all of that stuff still might also be true. In fact, I think most of it is true. But what if you can make a million dollars, $1.5 million, $2 million playing college basketball? That's why when I heard people, you know, leading up to last week saying things like, well, Drew Timmy's got a tough decision to make. I was like, does he really? Seems like an easy decision to me. And not because he needs to come back for the love of the college game, just because it's financially sensible and more fun. If option A is sign a pro contract in whatever form, bounce back and forth between the G League and the NBA, and even when you're in the NBA, oh boy, dream come true, but yeah, you hadn't played in seven games. You know, you got in for two minutes tonight. That's not fun. You know what's fun? Being the best player on your team that's ranked top five in America, playing in, in filled up gyms every night on national television uh, while making more money than you would have made as a professional. That's fun. Uh, that's sensible. And that's why I really do think of all the guys who took it up to the deadline. Uh, Drew Timmy's decision was the easiest one and name image and likeness rights made that a uh, reality. Why do you think there's so much hatred towards Gonzaga still? Because people ignore the facts and focus on false narratives. They say things like, well, they don't play anybody. Well, the West Coast Conference is better than it has been in recent years. It's like a legitimate league now. I'm not pretending it's the Big 12, but it's not nobody. It's not a bunch of nobodies. Like St. Mary's was good. BYU was good. Uh, San Francisco was good. Um, so people latch onto these narratives and they can't let them go. I still hear things like, oh, every year they get into the tournament as a one seed or a two seed, and then they, you know, and then they lose. Well, every year, everybody loses, except for the team that wins it all. And Gonzaga makes it farther than most. 
know, Gonzaga has won more NCAA tournament games over the last X amount of years than literally anybody in college basketball. And so you make that point and they say, oh, well, yeah, it's, but it's because they got a one seed that they didn't deserve. And so, you know, your first two games are easy no matter what. And it's like, well, like, was, was Kentucky's first game easy this past year? You know, they played, they were two seed. They played a 15th. Was that easy? Because they, you know, Gonzaga doesn't do that, but Kentucky did. And, you know, it's just because of their conference affiliation, they are um, held to a standard that is wildly unfair. Again, people assume because they haven't won the national title that they can't win the national title coming out of that league. And that is just so logically incorrect. It drives me crazy. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a golfer, a, a mediocre one, but still. I've never hit a hole in one. That doesn't mean I can't or that I won't, although I'm starting to have my doubts. It, it just means that I haven't. And similarly, Gonzaga's never won a national championship, but they could have. I mean, if you go replay from three minutes to go in the title game against Carolina, let's replay that. Carolina maybe wins it five times. Gonzaga wins it five times. You know, people used to say similar things about John Calipari, especially when he was at Memphis, but just John Calipari in general, even when he was at Kentucky, especially after he lost in 2010 with DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall on that team. Well, John Calipari can't win the big one. And I'd be like, well, like if Mario Chalmers doesn't make a shot at the buzzer in 2008, he like actually won the big one. So what are we talking about? Like, it's really the difference between Mario Chalmers making a shot and missing a shot that determines your definition of whether John Calipari can win the big one. It just doesn't make any sense. And so one of the things I've always believed is that if a coach is running a top-tier program and continues to build, create teams that are good enough to do it, eventually he will do it. And until Mark Few retires or I die, I will keep saying that. Gonzaga will win a national championship because think of it as darts in a dartboard. You know, nobody's ever actually favored to win the national championship. Somebody is favored, has better odds than everybody else but nobody's ever actually favored to win the national title. You always, if somebody offers you this one team or the field, always take the field because it's a single elimination tournament of 40 minute games that can be decided by any number of factors. As Gonzaga found out this season, foul trouble sometimes. Um, but if you keep getting darts to throw at a dartboard, you know, if, if you get five, you're going to, you got, you got, you're going to get that bullseye eventually. And Mark has got a dart in his hand every year. If we're equating a dart to a realistic chance to win the national title, he's got a dart in his hand every year. Not every coach does. He does. John Calipari at Kentucky does. Bill Self at Kansas does. There's only a handful of coaches and programs that have a, a realistic dart every year that they get to throw. If you keep throwing it, you're going to hit it eventually. Um, I, I told this story a million times. I remember talking to Billy Donovan when he was still at Florida. In the five years before he won back-to-back -back titles, Florida was eliminated from the NCAA tournament, either in the first round or the second round. Five straight years, never made a Sweet 16. And people were saying, Billy Donovan can't win the big one. Billy Donovan's never going to win his national title. And then he won two in a row. Why? Because he got this interesting collection of talent. It clicked. Then he brought it all back, and it clicked again. Um, that was unique and a uniquely constructed roster, but the point remains the same. Keep getting teams that are good enough, and eventually I think you'll do it. Um, and, you know, here we go heading into another season, and, you know, Gonzaga's going to have a chance to do it. Whether they will or not, 
you know, who can say for sure, but they'll have a chance. You know, they'll have one of the best chances in the entire country. All right. Thanks to Brenna Green for sharing that audio. That is going to do it for today and for this week. I'm going to be out of town next week, going to California for a friend's wedding. So I have some excellent, excellent pre-recorded shows with you. So you're going to hear all of those next week. They're fantastic. I'm very excited for you all to get a chance to hear them right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, available on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Finally, thank you again for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure to go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It is free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.